0: Homestyle Green, episode 108, Sustainability House. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast all about inspiring people to make a better place to live. And this week, I'm excited to be talking to Mark Clayton, who's in my hometown of Adelaide. And Mark is the business development manager for Sustainability House. And this is another example of a company that is doing stuff which I'd love to be doing. And I'd love there to be more of the type of work they're doing as well. I'm super excited about the the type of work, um, and I'll let Mark explain what they do, but the other thing that is really encouraging is how much they're growing and just how much demand there is for their services in the residential and, and building sector in general. Just a quick note that uh, this show is made possible by two great sponsors, Nodora, who have a great system. If you're looking for a fast, efficient Um, quality way of building a home that's going to be very resilient then check out Nodora it's an insulated concrete form basically polystyrene blocks very quick to assemble on site and then filled up with very strong concrete and reinforcing on the inside very good system, made in Canada and now available in New Zealand and in Australia as well, you can find them at nodora.com or energyefficientbuilding.co.nz and also, of course, Proclaimer, who are the champions of airtightness and products that you need to make your high performance home. Whether you're aiming for a passive house or maybe not quite, and you just want an airtight uh, building envelope and something that's going to get the moisture going in the right direction, and they understand vapor flow and air circulation, ventilation, all those important aspects of getting a high-performance home, you can find them at Proclima.com or Proclima.co.nz or Proclima.com.au. Now, let's get stuck into this week's interview with Mark Clayton from Sustainability House. Well, thank you, Mark, for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be talking to a uh, are you an Adelaidean, or a, a, have you come to Adelaide from somewhere
1: else? Yeah, I've come to Adelaide from somewhere else. I grew up, um, I grew up in Scotland. Um, you don't have a very strong Scottish accent. No, no, I don't. I lost that along the way. Um, but yeah, um, Scotland and England. Um, parents are from Scotland. Uh, yeah. A little bit in England, then went to university in Edinburgh, and uh, moved out here to Adelaide about six years ago. Um, you, you don't get much um, different climates
0: from between scotland and adelaide
1: true no it's very very different it's very very different for, the, um, for those
0: that because i i grew for those that don't know i grew up in adelaide spent 18 years there so i'm very familiar with that but for those that haven't been there the thing that people say to me oh gee it's a beautiful place how would you describe the the climate there yeah
1: so it's kind of weird i speak to a lot of people about climate in adelaide and yeah. every single person i say oh, it's really, really hot in Adelaide, they have 40-degree days, um, which is undoubtedly true. We had one just a few days ago. But once you actually live here in Adelaide, you actually realize you'll spend most of your time heating your house instead of cooling it. Yes. It's actually a heating climate. Um, so, yes, we do get those 40-degree days for maybe five or six or maybe 10, 10 days a year. Yep. Um, but generally from about April through till October or November, um, your houses are cold, uh, yeah. and you're having to put the heating on, and that surprises most people. Um, so it's kind of got that sort of Mediterranean climate, but just a little bit more extreme on the on the heat side.
0: And of course, you would know all about uh, heating days because of what you do. Yes, but but I guess yeah. most people wouldn't be too conscious of that.
1: <laughs> no, and and it's funny because it's about the perception, and the perception yeah. is adelaide is really hot um, Well, it's, the,
0: it's those stinking hot 40 degree de- de- degree days that you remember they they kind of stand out don't they
1: yeah yeah and, and, but even when you speak to people um in winter oh it's so cold it's so cold yeah the, i agree it's cold but then if you ask the question do you think adelaide is a hot or cold city oh it's really hot we
0: yeah yeah Cold that
1: yeah. It's actually invert it, it, the other way around um which I know maybe that's because we have so much sunshine here, you know, because you wake up even in winter, you can get a nice sunny day and you look outside and you think, oh, it's nice and warm today. Yeah. Uh, you go outside and you're shirt you're like, hang on a minute, what happened? <laughs> uh, that's caught me out a few times.
0: Hey, now let's talk about what, what it is that you do. You're, um, the, you're currently the sales manager at Sustainability House, is that right?
1: Yep, that's me, yep.
0: So you've you got a bit of a team there that you look after?
1: Yeah, so... Um, so the sales team uh, we have one, one sales member in uh, Perth and one in Melbourne and then there's myself there's only three of us um, we do um, mainly look at new business but also looking after sort of uh, current client current clients and so on um, but our role isn't really just all about sales it's also a lot about educating people mm. around what buildings are what they do educating people why they should design in a certain way. But also educating our builders about you know what they need to do in order to to get their buildings to to be more energy efficient, um, and to actually get to the point where they can actually go out and build them. Did you say
0: you said educating the builders?
1: Yeah. So how yeah. much
0: of your time is split as as a company? How much of sustainability houses time is split between consumers versus industry?
1: Okay, so with the, with the, um, with our builder friends, you know, we'll regularly go and do um, presentations to all the sales sales staff that they have. Um, we do a lot of work with um, product manufacturers and, and helping them understand what, how, they're built, how their products work. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, the person who's designing the house, you know, you've got the builder with their set plans, but the person who's actually design the house is often a salesperson who's who's sort of saying, oh, yeah, I want to sign you up and, and so on. Yeah. But, if you can give them the information or the understanding that, you know if they took a design and perhaps just mirrored it or flipped it to work better for that site, the the, the, the consumer or the, the end the end home builder, homeowner, is gonna end up with a better building. So we do a lot of lot of space around that. And of course the advantage for us is the knock on effect is if they can get that right at the beginning, it makes our life a lot easier uh, further down the path and we're we're sort of saying, well this building is now compliant, it's gonna be an it's gonna be a comfortable building and you can go away and build it.
0: Did you say you uh, work with product uh, manufacturers to help them understand their products?
1: Yeah. yeah. So, um, how, how, how does that work? That You say yeah. they don't understand their products? No, no. It's, it's how, how their products work. Um, so a lot of it's uh, – I've noticed it a lot recently with um, new products coming into the market, mainly uh-huh. on structurally insulated panels and, and so on. Yep. Um, Western Australia is currently having a bit of a um, – a crisis on brickies. Uh, I've been told that the average age of a brick, brickie in, in WA is over 65 now, and they build a lot of double brick buildings.
0: Um,
1: so we're now. Getting, I imagine the 65-year-old brickie's got a pretty sore back. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine he has as well. But <laughs> but, but I understand. But it's not a particularly um, uh, trade that is attracting many young people. So we're no. now seeing product manufacturers to, uh, responding to this. We're saying, well. Well, what if we build the building out of structure insulated panels? What if we build the building out of lightweight construction? What if we build the building out of tin and heavily insulated or, or, or so on? So, we get, um, so product manufacturers who do know what their product is and they understand how it works, they'll come to us and they'll say, well, what, what is the total R value of our product? You know, what, 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 what can we actually market this product at? And we can go away and we can do the, the calculations as to what, what the building, how, how those walling systems work. Yep. And they often ask us, you know, well, how does our product compare against some of the more traditional builds? You know, <clears throat> so we're trying to sell a new product, and uh, and sometimes you need election marketing. So we can go away, and uh, we've got software which we can do mass simulation, um, and, and we can basically say your your building your your walling system works so much better than this walling system, or it, or or if someone's buying your walling system, this is how you model it in the software correctly, so so you're getting the benefit for, for what you actually for the product you're using.
0: So back to the brickies that issue has arisen because of um sort of a, a, a uh, cuz brick just not trendy and and the, the particular industry struggling but yeah. it sounds like it's it's gone beyond that and they're starting to ask some questions now regarding performance what's driving that why does why does a sips manufacturer care about r value and who who are they marketing to
1: Okay so so i mean double brick you know it doesn't have a high r value but it, but it has got extremely good amount of thermal mass so so it certainly has its place in buildings um you're correct. the the brick in, The brick laying industry is not particularly um, flash, and it's not particularly getting that amount of um, new 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 people coming into it. Um, so consequently, the older bricklayers are getting older, and and the and the companies that are building these houses are now thinking, well, what what's the next thing? You know, what do I have to do? Less bricklayers. They're becoming more and more expensive. It's getting to the point where perhaps using an alternative building method is going to be more um, cost effective than, than going. They're sticking with the traditional double brick. Yeah. Um, so, straight away, um, the first question that the builder is going to ask the product manufacturer is well, if I switch to your new product, how is that going to perform in the software which I have to use in order to get my building to be six stars or more?
0: Yep. So, right. So, the, now we get to the issue that there's a, a performance criteria that they yes. have to meet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, they want to make sure that their, that their product has ticked all those boxes so that when they've got the client, who wants to come start engaging or using a structured utility panel or whatever particular type of walling system it happens to be, that it's going to work, it's going to perform. And yeah. if you can get to the point where you build a house out of an alternative building solution instead of double brick and it performs better, then they've got a better product which they can then on-sell to their client, they can promote it as a more energy-efficient product, it's got higher star ratings, and this is where the value-adds come.
0: Yeah, yeah. What does a what does it take to get to six stars?
1: Well, it's, um, good design. Good design is, is, is essentially what you need. Achieving six stars is, is not difficult as long as you're sensible about your house. Um, the software has certain, um, we use Accurate or First Rate 5. Um, but the software has certain, um, nuances which it likes and what it doesn't like. Um, and if you're building a reasonable sized house with a reasonable amount of glazing and you've got your orientation correct. What's,
0: hang on, what's, define <laughs> reasonable?
1: A reasonable sized house, um, about 200 square meters or less, right, is is, is where the where where you start getting penalised. And uh, looking around, sort of 22 to 23 percent window to floor area ratio, and having a lot of that, and try and get that glazing weighted towards the north. Now, if you're building that type, a building of that sort of dimensions, um, you're going to be able to achieve six stars reasonably easily. Um, the problems come when you start building larger houses, uh, and unfortunately, Australia has some of the largest houses in the world, and they're continuing to build larger houses. So, w- when you're building a house that's maybe 280, 300 square meters with lots of glazing, um, and, and, and then heavily shaded with an outdoor entertaining area, so that you can't actually get any heat into a building, you then start having issues about getting six stars. So, so we then start saying, well. What do I have to do? And, and generally, the first port of call is, is improving the insulation in the buildings. Yep. Um, second port of call is, always, is the glazing. And the glazing can work really, really well. But again, we're now adding extra cost into that build. Um, so you may find that the client then decides, oh, well, I can't afford to, to add in the extra cost. So therefore, the design change, maybe build a smaller building. Um, or, like I said, an alternative walling system may, may be the answer. Yeah. Yeah. What's driving uh
0: we, well, that's something we've got in common actually? Uh, America, Australia, New Zealand, three of the biggest housing um houses in the world uh per by by floor area. In in the Australian context, what's driving that? And is it changing?
1: Um yeah, it's it's very, very different from market to market. So, so I can really only talk about the Victorian market, South Australian market, and the Perth market. Um, now, in WA, it's very much around, uh, you know, the subdivisions are usually four to 600 uh, square meter blocks, and they'll put as big a house as they can on yeah. that. Um, a lot of it is about resale value, which, which I think is a bit crazy. When you're building your house, you're thinking about selling it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's also about what the builders are offering, and it's also you know they've had they've had a a pretty good run in the mining boom over the last few years, and there's a lot of um, a lot of people who can afford bigger houses, and they they want the bigger houses, Um, and they're looking at you know four bedrooms plus two plus two living Um, becomes very very big buildings. Um, In Adelaide, they are slightly smaller. Um, Is it driving? I'm starting to see a drive for. Perhaps not so much smaller buildings in the suburbs, but certainly uh, more infill when it comes to medium density in the yeah. suburbs. So, yeah. uh, a building that might be 100 years old on, on a quarter acre block, or it's on a, or it's on a thousand, or on a, you know 600 square meters, and and it's getting uh, either subdivided off the back, or if it's if it's really quite a, in disrepair, knocked over, subdivided, it, and then two two or three buildings being put in there. Yeah, in Adelaide they're now. Doing uh, blocks at two hundred and fifty, which is which basically means you, you end up building a much smaller house. Um, but we're starting to find more urban infill, um, and I actually think apartments is probably where it's going to go. There's been a lot of growth in the last twelve months in Australia about apartment building.
0: Yep.
1: And I remember having a really quite an interesting conversation with uh, with one of our WA clients a few years ago, and there was there was sort of talking down lines. When we're designing our, our our display homes now, you know, we'll design them today. It'll take us 12 months before we start building them. They'll be finished in two years and they're open for two years. And they're asking the question, what is our client going to want to be buying in four years' time? Right. <clears throat> and is it what we're designing today? Yeah. Uh, and I'm seeing a big shift that people can't af- people can't afford to <clears throat> run their houses. So... Yeah, I can go and buy my house, uh, and that's great, but I can't afford to heat and cool it. I can't afford to run it. And I think as the next generation come through, I'm uh, and putting homeowners who maybe in their late 20s now who are going to be buying in the next few years, they're a little bit more aware about seeing their parents opening up $2,000 a quarter bills, thinking how we're going to pay this. And I, I think they're not going to want to do that. They're going to want a smaller building. They're going to want it closer to transport links. They're, they're going to want something that's cheaper to run. It's going to be more cost-effective, and po- possibly a, a lot less work. Yep. So here in Adelaide, um, they, 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 they changed a lot of the uh, zoning codes a couple of years ago, allowed um, uh, three- and four-story buildings on some of the transport corridors, and we're starting to see a lot of that starting to pop up. And And that's really quite interesting, and I think that's for two reasons. One, that the big houses are, are unaffordable nowadays on big blocks yep. um, to, to the younger generation, but yep. also... Um, they don't want the, the ongoing maintenance costs. They'd rather, you know, be spending their money going out and enjoying themselves, or than spending, you know, fifteen hundred dollars a quarter on a heating bill, which uh, in, in a big house, which they may or may not ha- actually need.
0: Yeah. So there's a lifestyle change uh, there going on there, and people questioning what they want to be spending their time doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's all really positive signs. Yeah. That that shift in thinking and uh, a different generation sort of bucking the trend. And say so, and questioning the way things that they've seen uh, it being done, yeah. Um, is that part of what is it, what's kind of stoking the fire and, and allowing firms like Sustainability House to grow?
1: Um, I mean, well, partly. I mean, a lot of our work is is around getting getting buildings past the building code. Um, and and what so what's playing is grow a lot is we're being quite proactive around where we where we're doing that. Yeah. Um, We're actually moving into different um, states and different geographical areas. But again, I mean, Australia, again, we're building a lot of houses here at the moment. Um, A lot of them are apartments, but also a lot of houses. And that's also allowing us to grow. Um, There's been recent legislation changes around how assessors work and and what qualifications they need. And uh, and that's making it the smaller assessing companies um, are are actually leaving the market. Um, purely because they can't keep up with the, the CPD, they can't keep up with the new regulations, they can't keep up with um, the new qualifications that they need to meet. Um, so it kind of has a positive personal negative uh, for energy assessors. It, it means there's going to be less energy assessors in the marketplace, um, but you kind of hope that the ones that are there will become larger firms. And, and when you become a bit more of a larger firm, you put a lot more structure in place and you become a lot more professional and a lot more credible.
0: Yeah. So does that mean it's it's become harder to get building permission in in uh, in Australia?
1: It has it has become harder. Um, they're, they're constantly um, tightening up the, um, the the regulations and the requirements. Um, is that a good thing? It is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I believe I think it is because with the with the clients or the the homeowners not really having that much knowledge themselves around passive design and, and so on. They're kind of guided by our builders as to what they should or shouldn't be building. And, and unfortunately, it's still very much around you know, have we got the granite bench top and that sort of thing. Mm. But if we're using legislation to improve the building envelope, then they're getting a better quality product, even though they're not asking for it. Right.
0: So it's right. just
1: got to be a good thing. It's yeah, going to be a more comfortable home. So although it may not be on, their, on the top of their list of, of what we want out of a house, what they're finding is they're getting these better performing buildings because. The the legislation is, is 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 pushing for better performing buildings. Now you've also become
0: uh, acutely aware recently of another problem in the building industry, which is lack of good builders. Um, from doing your own project, tell us how that came about.
1: Yeah, so um, yeah, it wasn't so much lack, lack of good builders. It was it was it was probably builders who didn't want to take on something that was slightly different. Um, and so that the house. In my eyes, it is very, very standard, you know. But then I guess that's because the background, and the space that I'm in, uh, I've got a lot of resources to help help. help right, design it.
0: there's but, nothing new there for you, but it was, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a bit out of the box for them.
1: But but you know, and when I went to when I went to get get quotes initially, it was, it was a standard you know, insulated timber frame building. Um, there was some internal thermal mass. There's internal uh, red brick walls. So there was a bit of reverse brick veneer, and again. The minute you see something which is not standard, they automatically assume it's going to cost a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of can understand why they might think that. Um, but what, what, so what we ended up doing, uh, we went to, we went to try and get some quotes from some builders. Um, we ended up in the end building it ourselves, um, which was which was quite a fun experience. I, I've had some some background in Scotland of uh, building houses and, uh, and renovating and so on, uh, but this is the first time I'd actually delivered a whole project myself. Right, because so you, um, you're not a builder. No, I'm not a builder. I'm Not yeah. a builder. Um, and uh, yeah so we we started uh the design process here in sustainability house we thought well we kind of like the idea of diversifying we're very aware that at the moment we're kind of tied to a compliant requirement around some of the work that we do right right and we like the idea of diversifying because if that legislation was to change or be removed at some point that then it would be a big risk to our business but not just our business the people who work for us as well <laughs> yep um so we came up with this i i i i said well i want to Design and build a house. Um, so we got some of the uh, some of the young graduates, the graduate architects that we have working for us. Uh, they, they helped out with some of the concept drawings, um, took it through the, the design or the planning permission. Um, we ended up changing the walling system to um, to a, a SIP panel, uh, and that was purely um, because then it would take away the engineering requirement for me to have to build uh, uh, structural walls. And it comes as an off the shelf package. Yep. Um, We started in um, in August, end of August last year. Um, I moved in three weeks ago.
0: You started the building process. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: So it's five five months um, with me 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 and Karina, my wife, and a few friends. Um, And yeah, we're all working full time. uh, So it did take a bit of time um, to get us going. Um, But look, it, it was actually a reasonably simple and straightforward process, and I was actually quite surprised. You know, once you once you found one or two. Good tradies just to sort of help you along the way,
0: yep.
1: uh, give you some referrals or, or, or keep you right. Um, it was actually reasonably straightforward. I, I engaged a building inspector who came who came and did five sort of stage inspections to make sure that it was being built correctly. Who, who then actually signed off on the build at the end. Yeah, um, and he was he was great. Yeah, he gave me a lot of advice, uh, not just sort of making sure that I was doing the right thing, but also when when I was getting some trades in to do some of the work, you know, some like the waterproofing, tiling, and and so on, just making sure that they're they're doing it to the to the correct code, and, and so that was that was really really good. Um, so the building um, ended up it's a seven half star building, um, and um, we uh, a couple of weeks ago I got the building air pressure tested. Yeah, which uh, which is not not very um, uh, popular or not not used very much here here in Australia. So um, we had uh, we had a guy come along and we pressurized the building to fifty pascals because you know you can design. An energy efficient building, but then if you don't build it very well, then then there's no really point in in designing it really well. Yeah, uh, you know, lots of gaps and and so on. Um, and I was told that, that if it, well, I was very happy with the result. We got um, we got three point six air changes per hour at fifty pascals. Um, I'm told that the average build here in South Australia is about twelve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and, and and that comes from just you know not putting windows in correctly or yeah. up as well as they could do plug holes. Uh, cavity 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 sliding doors which go into the, the gap in the brick veneer is yep. quite a popular one they just don't seal these up um, so that was quite quite a good good result for us um, and I guess the final stage of of the building for us is uh, we're now going to do some data logging of the building
0: excellent so you'll be able to see how it performs in in real life
1: that's right so we can then do comparisons of the predictive to the actual um, so I, I commissioned all my data, data loggers on Sunday. So that's uh, awesome. that's a part of uh, part of that, that project. That's how
0: that's how guys from Sustainability House spend their weekends commissioning uh, data loggers.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, actually, it's been quite good uh, we, we, because because it's been our first project of our own. Um, everyone everyone in the t- everyone in the company's been involved in, it in one way or another, and yeah. And when we've had things like the thermography guy coming around, the air pressure test guy coming around, you know, we've invited the whole company to come and have a look. Um, awesome. There's you know, site visits so they can actually see a, constru- a building going up and, and how it goes together. Um, so we try to get everyone, everyone involved. Uh, it's a bit a bit of fun. Uh, but it's also you know growing our knowledge uh, and knowledge sharing, you know, actually being on site, seeing a building, seeing this stuff happening is it, it, really, really great. And also it gets everyone out of the office for an afternoon, which is yeah. it's always a bit of fun
0: was the uh, process of consenting and getting permission for a sips building was that a challenge
1: uh, no no it was really straightforward um the company that, that that I used um already had all their all their engineering signed off
0: excellent uh, so, so it's kind of like pre-approved
1: yeah yeah so i went to a um i went to a, a so what happens is uh, i used the i got my planning consent and then went used a private certifier to do to do the engineering part Yep. Uh, so I got the slab engineering done just as you normally would from a, from an engineer. Um, but what you do with the sips guys is you send them your Revit model, um, and and they then basically do all the calculations of you know, how big the beams need to be over windows and and all this kind of stuff, and they actually then create that um, create those panels with those beams in there. Um, and because they've had all their testing done on what weight loads they can do, the, the private certifier was, was 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 dead easy. It was just so, so. they've got lintels embedded into the panels. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. The openings uh, are the sliding door opening, which is which is quite wide. You know, they actually embedded the lintel into the panel, um, and because it's a structural product, depending on how much space is between the head height of the window and the underside of the eave, you quite often don't need lintels because it is a structural structural panel. So it all depends yeah, right. on what the span is and, and how much space is available, uh, whether you need a lintel or not.
0: So I'm picturing a, a truck turning out with a whole bunch of uh, flat pieces that was funny-shaped pieces that then you just had to slot together. Is that, is that how it works?
1: <laughs> That's exactly how it works. That's exactly how it works. Um, is, it, is, it, is this the future of building? I, I think it. I think it could be. I mean, they do a lot of this stuff in Europe in the UK already. Um, just to get an idea, um, we went from putting the bottom plate down on the slab, which we did on a, on, a, on a Sunday, and the uh, and the building inspector came and signed off on the tie downs first thing Monday morning. Um, I took two weeks off work with uh, with a, with a couple of friends. There was four of us on site for two weeks, and at the end of that two weeks, we had all the walls up. We had with the insulation in. <laughs> And all the um, all the um, the string lines in for the, the for the electrical work because they just pull them through the panel.
0: Right.
1: All the windows in except for the sliding door. We had all the internal walls done. We had the roof beams done. We had the tie downs done. We had the bracing done. We were ready for Tim. and that was in two weeks. We were pretty much locked up with the exception of one one win- one window, and that was two weeks with four people who are not tradies. That's just amazingly quick.
0: Um, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a nice hybrid between. Full-on modular houses built inside a factory, and the the more traditional um, building a house out of a pile of sticks that turn up and 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 right. doing everything by hand. It seems like a a really nice merging of of the two uh, with the best of both worlds.
1: It, it is. It is because I-
0: it was a it was a Western. Australia, I mean, it, that's like ten thousand kilometers away, isn't it? Um, the, where it was coming from.
1: Uh, yeah, WA is about three three thousand k's away. So yeah, I mean, and then you know there are other questions you can ask about in builded energy and travel energy and, and so on. But I think we'll go down and talk about that perhaps later. But one thing I liked about the SIP panels was because they're made in a factory, they're made to a tolerance. Yeah. The
0: waste,
1: waste is controlled. We didn't yeah. have a we didn't have a skip on our whole site. Awesome. And the reason for that was because we were doing a lot of the ordering, which means instead of Ordering too much and then so the tradies got plenty to do and then throw away what's left, which happens quite a lot. We were quite happy to order the right amount or just a little bit less, and then if we needed more, we'd just get a bit more. Yeah, so yeah. So the actual wastage on our site was minimal, yeah. uh, absolutely minimal, because because we because we could control it. Um, yeah. And that, that was a strange part of the project because when I when I first started out, I, I didn't really think too much about wastage on site, and, and it was Karina. Uh, my wife, we were walking past ha- a house that was getting built, and there was these two skips out the front. They were yeah. full. Yeah. And she was like, I "Can't believe they're full," and I was like, "Well, yeah, that that would be standard." Yeah, totally. So she took so she took it on as her 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 sort of part of the project that she wanted to make sure we minimized waste, which means we we're minimizing uh, producing products which which just go straight to landfill or go straight to recycling because they're never actually used.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like exciting stuff and a good way to uh, diversify. But let's get back to the the core business of sustainability house. What's yep. um you, know, you, you mentioned that you you're basically there to help people um, with the code at the moment, but you've got some other stuff going on as well. What's what's the um, the software that you guys are involved with?
1: Yeah, so um, a few years ago, um, Jim, our director, uh, he he was doing an assessment and. Um, who was he? He got a solution for the client. At that time, it was five stars. It's now six. Uh, and the client was very happy with the solution. But Jim asked the question, well, what what would be the best solution that we could get to the client? How do we give every single option? And, and short of sort of sitting in front of a computer and changing lots and lots of different parameters, it's actually quite difficult to to, to get that option. So, so we created a piece of software in-house. Um, it's called Roborator, uh, for want for a better name. That was the design name. It kind of stuck. Uh, Robo Raider. And, uh, and what we can do with Robo is we can take a, a, a class one or a residential building and, and we can say, well, what happens if we build it with different types of insulation, different types of walls? What happens if we build it with different types of windows, change the orientation, maybe we build it in different climate zones? How does that building perform? And if we wanted to build a nine star or a 10 star house, how do we go about doing that? So what we what we do is um, we, we put in all all the options that you can do uh, or where you can build a building, and we hire space on a supercomputer in Singapore, and Roborator allows us to do ten thousand assessments a minute. Wow! Yeah, it's really it's a really great tool. So very very quickly you can find out what part of that building is is the weaker point, so we can so we can start sort of working with them, and what is the best orientation for that building. Um, what's the best materials we should be using for that building in order to optimize it. Um, and we're starting to do a lot more of that sort of work um, as people are wanting to sort of build higher star rating buildings, higher performing buildings. Um, it's still a reasonably reasonably niche for us, um, but it, we love it when we get owner builder coming in and saying, I want to build a nice star house. How do I go about doing that? Um, and we can then sort of give some concept design advice. Once we've got their drawings, we can say, right, let 's corroborate it let's find out what the best combination of insulation and sometimes it's internal thermal mass. sometimes it's not. sometimes you know you get big benefits for having internal insulation sometimes it's not, and that depends on the climate. Have you got a hot house? Have you got a cold house? Do we need it to to vent um, and, and, and what we're finding is you can actually build higher performing buildings on the same price as a lower performing building purely because you've used Roborator and you've managed to optimize what you need to do.
0: That is very interesting. Cause I, I forgot to ask you about the price of your house. Um, did you, did you um, know, do you know the final price, the sort of square meter rate? Have
1: yeah. Um, yeah, I do. Um, it worked out just over a uh, oh, square meter rate. Let me think um, about $1,100 a square meter. Yeah, wow. Well, that's pretty cheap. Which isn't too bad. Um, and, Look, we, we did save a lot of money because we did a lot of the work ourselves. Um, yeah, I'm sure. But we also were happy to spend extra on, on the bits that we wanted, you know. So you spent a little extra on, on fancier taps and that sort of stuff. So, look, I was pretty happy with that. Plus price. it's,
0: what well, did you say, a seven-star? It's a seven and a half-star. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be really comfortable and and you're going to have not very high power bills.
1: No, no. I've been monitoring. Um, I'm monitoring. So there's no heating. Or, there's no um, heating or cooling in the house. So it should passively work it work itself out. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking at putting sort of a three or three and a half kilowatt system on the roof shortly. And that'll actually therefore make it a carbon positive house. Uh, we're only drawing about eight kilowatt hours a day of power for the hot water for cooking and so on. Wow. So with a system of that size, makes it a carbon positive house. Nice. And, and, and when we get to the point where we've got. Um, uh, reasonably sized reasonably priced batteries, and I believe Tesla are looking at are producing house batteries at the moment um we will actually be able to be off the grid in the suburbs
0: yeah off the grid embedded in the grid
1: <laughs> yeah and so just, you know, back
0: to back to uh, Robo rater yeah. you mentioned there uh we got onto price what typically are the things that make you be able to to Get to that point where you're actually building a, a, a high performing house for less. What are the what are the typical sort of top? If you had to name top three kind of results from it recommendations, yep. what would they be?
1: The first one's about designing for the designing for the site. You know, think about where the building is. Let's get the glazing in the right place. Let's get the room layout in the right place. So certainly design. Um, the thing is with design is it doesn't cost anything. You know. When you start with your blank page. Especially when a computer's doing it in Singapore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I was thinking is when you start with your blank page and say, right, well, I'm going to build my new house, you know, it doesn't cost any different amount. It doesn't cost any more to draw your plan orientated correctly. Yep. To say, right, well, my living areas are going to be towards the north, my bedroom's going to be in the east. That doesn't cost anything at all. And it can make a huge saving on your building later yep.
0: on. Um, okay, so orientation, and you mentioned glazing.
1: Windows would be the second one. Um, windows certainly play a big part. The um, the reasonably significant cost in a building, um, and
0: look, so, so this. What about the windows? The size and you you mentioned before the the window to floor ratio for um, for those that haven't sort of come across that metric before. What what are you looking at there?
1: Yeah. So what we're looking at. So when you when you're looking at a building, um, let's say we'll keep the math simple. Let's say we've got a hundred square meter building, um, quite a small building. Really, what you're wanting in that building is no more than sort of 22 or 23% window area.
0: And is that regardless of where your house ha- – I mean, Australia is a pretty big place with lots of different climate zones. Yeah. Does it matter where you are?
1: Um, it does. It does. Um, and also where that window is located. So if we're in somewhere like Adelaide or if we're down in Tasmania, you want the majority of that windows to be facing north. Yeah. You know? And we're wanting to try and get as much heat into the building. Um you also want to make sure the windows are located so you can get good breeze paths. You know, so if you're up in up in up up in the north north in Queensland, what you want is to be able to open those windows up massively and let the heat just completely be blown out at night. Um, so it does make a difference. If you want to go higher than that, and you can, I mean, you can go as much as you'd like. And some people would turn around and say that uh, a good passive design house would have up to forty percent window to floor area ratio, but the windows would certainly be calculated to be in the right place.
0: Yeah.
1: If you want to go through, for a higher high percentage of windows, floor area ratio, we can start looking at improving the windows. So that's when we're saying we're not just going to stick with our single-glazed aluminium. We're going to look at timber. We might look at UPVC. We might look at double-glazed. We might look at thermally broken windows um, and, and that sort of stuff because that's going to improve the comfort of the building. Yeah. Uh, but it is. I mean, windows, you know, windows are very nice and uh, I remember giving a presentation a few years ago to the AIA uh, and I was talking about windows and I was saying from an energy raider's point of view, we see a window as a hole in the wall. Yeah. Um, at which point the person who asked me to present was sort of looking at me to say, Oh my God, what's he going to say next? Um, because turn around to architects and tell them that windows are holes in walls apparently wasn't the right thing to do. Um, but, but that's, that's essentially what they are, you know? Um, and you need them and you want them because you want to look out and I understand all that. But you know, if you've got your, a good quality, heavily insulated wall, uh, and then, and then here in Australia, you, you, people are putting three mil glass in there in the windows. You, you're basically a big hole, a yeah. hole. Yeah. So, and that's why I'm saying to 20, you know, 23, 24, 22 percent, something like that, because essentially you just create more and more holes. Um, the third thing, which I think around sort of energy efficiency, and it's not so much around um, what happening in the modelling. It would be the build quality. You know? right. Make sure the gaps are filled you know um, round windows exhaust fans are they sealed down lights. if you're going to put down lights in the building in the building make sure the led make sure they're ones that you can you can run insulation over the top or you have to cap so you can run insulation up to the caps um, because essentially if not you end up with the, you know, a living area where you're going to spend a lot of your time a lot of um it's the area you want it to be nice and comfortable and if you end up putting twenty downlights in the ceiling, your insulation is going to become like Swiss cheese.
0: Mm.
1: It's going yeah. to be hot all over the place. So that,
0: that describes my my dining room very well.
1: Right. Um, well, and, and you know, there's options to fix that. You know, um, you can cap the downlights. Some of them are, some of them you can cap. Um, LED ones nowadays. You can run the insulation right over the top because there's no heat. There's no, no chance yeah. of any fires happening. And, and we're starting to see product manufacturers coming to the party more and more here in Australia. Um, we're getting better quality products. The prices coming down, so people can actually use LED lighting in their building, which doesn't compromising. It's not going to compromise the building fabric in the ceiling. Awesome. So, that, I mean, that's a
0: that's a really good uh, rundown of, of, of things, and very similar to what other um, people have said on the show, and what I I quite often um, uh, highlight as as the priority areas as well. So the 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 RoboRadar software will will help optimise those and other aspects. Will they if, if you put in some other constraints around the the size and the shape that you want?
1: Yeah, it also works very very good for working out where the shading should be on a building. Yeah, right. Uh, a, a lot of people often forget about shading because um, that's
0: the other issue with glazing, isn't it? With overglazing, is you get overheating.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of people forget that, you know, shading devices, you know, they're, they're, not, they're, they're reasonably inexpensive um, and they can they can work amazingly well. Uh, and, and, and getting your EVE offsets, be it, you know, in, in your calculations of your roof pitches, it can be very important. But then even adjustable shading devices over windows and then knowing how to use them, you know, actually sort of say, well, what's going to happen today in the weather? Um, is it going to be hot? Is it going to be cold? When should I open the windows? When should I close the windows? When should I put those the same devices in place um, can actually make a huge difference to how a building will run.
0: Now, you just touched on something else. There, we we should um, start wrapping up. But um, yep. I know that the, something else that you do is education of uh, soon-to-be homeowners and 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 consumers. Is is that part of? It's almost like you need to train people to uh, operate their house, but before <coughs> that, also educate them on. How to get the house that they want, or how to figure out the the process to go through is that is that part of what that education process d- looks like?
1: Yeah, um, it is very much so, and we and we're constantly trying to sort of go out there and and sort of get people to understand that you know you're, you're building a house, you, you're going to live in it for probably quite a long time. Let's just think about what that house is going to to be like and what it's going what it's going to, how it's going to perform, what's it going to do, um, and all too often, we we see clients who go through display homes, which is which is totally fine. And they'll see a house they like, uh, and they say, "This is the house I want," and this is the block I've got, and it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't work, you know. And, and it would be great if they if they could get some ideas at that point. You know, perhaps flip the design, perhaps change the design, uh, perhaps you know. And again, it goes back to what I said before. It's all is about getting that design correct. Um, we've also looked into doing a bit of work where as you say you know you go and buy a um, you go and buy a new car and, and the sales guy spend all morning showing you how to turn the lights on and, and how and how the radio works and so on you go and buy a washing machine a uh, reasonably inexpensive purchase and you get a whole book telling you how what cycle to use and what type of clothing and all this kind of stuff you buy a house you don't get anything yeah so so how does this house work you know and each house will work in a different different way um and that kind of education, I think, is really important because people who are struggling with their electricity bills, struggling to, 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 to get that, find the money to actually keep the house going, by getting that education to them and saying, well, this is how it works, these are the simple things that you can do, even just understanding where the bulk of our energy is being used in the house can, can actually reduce their costs quite significantly. And it's just about education. It's about yeah, yeah. How does this house work? You know, what is it actually doing for me, and how is it reacting to the to the climate in which it's in?
0: So, people, I'm guessing if they're in that situation, if they're in the building process or about to embark on the building process, whether from the consumer side or the professional side, sounds like you um, you'd like to hear from them.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. We um, you know we do a lot of work for our, for our project home builders, which is great, but we do love it when people come in here and say. I, I, I want to start pushing the boundaries or I just want to understand what I should be building on this site. You know, I yeah. want to understand what should work. And, and we love that. Um, our, our, our graduate architects, are uh, sort, sort of what will become Suho design, uh, in, in, in the next few months. Um, they, they love that kind of stuff. And, and for us, it's really, really great. It's good to get involved with those projects because they're usually a lot more interesting. <laughs> And the minute you've got buy-in from the client, as in the person who's going to build the house, who actually understands what it's all about, it just becomes a, a, a really great project to work on.
0: Yeah, awesome. So um, wrapping up, uh, where can people get in touch with you and your team?
1: Yep. so um, Sustainability House, we've got offices in, in Adelaide, Perth, and uh, Melbourne. Um, best way to get hold of us is, is uh, on our website. We've got um, www.sustainabilityhouse.com.au um, or our phone number which is just three hundred. Three zero eight five two five, and like I say, we've got uh, we've got assessors in all three states. We've got uh, architects in all three states, so um, we're not if you we're not too far away. If you want to come and have a chat,
0: and can people if people are even if they've signed up with, with another builder or something, can they contact you to to get a review or, or to get some a second opinion on on the process and and Absolutely. the design?
1: Absolutely, we we we're in, we're independent. We're privately owned, so we're independent technical experts. Is what we like to what we like to call ourselves. So um yeah and if you're in that position you want a second opinion that's that's fine um but also if you, you know, if you've got something you like and you just want a little bit of advice of how it could work better for you um you know using Roborader, we may be able to produce a, a far better performing building at no extra cost at
0: all frank but, out the Roborader, awesome yeah. yeah hey thank you very much for your time mark it's been a been a pleasure i'll uh, let you um you've got a, a fringe festival to go and catch up
1: with that's right. Yeah, the team the team left about uh, about an hour and twenty minutes ago. So I'm, really <laughs> I'm hiding up, so I'll try and catch the next train and, and go and have a beer with them in the in the, in the city. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Mike. Perfect. We'll keep in touch. We'll do. Thanks,
0: Mark Clayton. There from Sustainability House in Adelaide, and as I said at the top of the show, it's fantastic just knowing that these types of businesses are out there and they're flourishing, and that there's a growing demand for those sort of services. If you'd like to get in touch with Mark or the rest of the team, then head on over to sustainabilityhouse.com.au. They've got a nice website. It's very easy to get around and find some useful information there. And if you are on the uh, on the journey of creating a, a home for yourself that you'd like to make more sustainable, then um, definitely get in touch with them. They're a, a great and growing team. You can also get, um, if I can be of assistance in any way uh, on your journey, then I'd love to hear from you as well, Matthew at homestylegreen.com. And if I can't help you directly, I'm more than happy to point you in the right direction. But I do have some uh, packages and services available on the website. For example, uh, looking at a house plan review and giving some tips and advice, recommendations on that or right through to getting an energy model, or even doing some visualization for you, not not woo-woo kind of visualization, but getting a rendered 3D picture of your floor plan so you can get a bit of an idea of how it's all going to come together. Um, happy to help out with all those, any of those and other related issues that you might have. Also, check out uh, Homestyle Green on Twitter and Facebook. And I just recently joined... Um, Instagram so I'll be putting some images of good and the bad and the ugly houses on there from time to time as well that's enough from from me for this week it's late at night now so it's time for me to sign off in uh, a week's time I've got another top architect builder from the states, we're going back stateside next week, but until then uh, go make a better place to live